You can hit record whenever you're ready. Okay. What's going on, Ryan? We're here. Not much. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're, we're doing this a little bit earlier. It is not Thanksgiving night. It is not Thursday like we typically do. Uh, we moved forward because, well, even though this is probably going to be a much smaller, socially distant Thanksgiving, the holiday is upon us. And uh, I don't know. I'm actually still kind of excited about Thanksgiving. How about you? Very much so. I just like the break. And uh, I like the break of everything. I like... Uh, taking it easy and um i'm excited for i still am excited hopefully this is just the uh only instance hopefully it's a completely different ball game this time next year but for now i'm glad for thanksgiving in the sense of thanksgiving is is still a thing so um hopefully this is the only one like this and uh that we are not adhere we're not a we're not going to make things worse because, you know, some some news outlets are make are really sh- feels like they're shaming us if we're going to do it. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, I know it's, it's as touchy as a touchy subject can be with this, but just do the right thing and be careful and let us not make a catastrophe, as one headline said, uh, a possibility. Yeah, um, like I said, well, first of all, if you're wondering where you are, this is the Tweet Cap. I'm Ryan, and with me, as always, is co-host Matt Brown. I um, want to thank you all for listening to this Thanksgiving edition of the Tweet Cap. Uh, but to go off what you just said there, um, we're going to have a guest come and talk exclusively coronavirus. Uh, I know we touch on it pretty much every week because it's always in the news. It's always online. Um, but yeah, there's definitely... There's definitely a lot of different people with a lot of different perceptions right now. Um, And not all of them. And it's not even like there's the right way and then there's a bunch of wrong ways. There's a lot of gray area right now Um, Mm -hmm. in the way that we are being talked to about coronavirus and in the way people are talking about the coronavirus. Some of it, you know, better than others. Some of it more true than others. Uh, Some of it completely false. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, we're going to have someone come in and talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about that, a little bit about how the vaccine's going to work. Um, Cause remember it's not a cure. And I feel like a lot of people are already forgetting that uh, and it hasn't <laughs> even come out yet. Um, yeah. And just overall, give us a little bit more of a science, a little bit more science than myself or Matt, neither of whom know anything about science uh, or that's not true, but neither of whom know anything about science with enough <laughs> detail to really explain uh, some of the, you know, inner workings of a vaccine and so on and so forth. But we're not going to talk about that right now. There's already enough going on this Thanksgiving when it comes to coronavirus. Uh, we certainly don't need to add to that. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with something uh, that you were, that you found to, uh, this week, Matt. Well, Ryan, one thing I want to discuss is yeah. a podcast that has been getting a lot of traction. It is called Whistleblower and whistleblower it whistleblower referee edition and in this particular case the the whistleblower podcast is based on some of the recent discoveries and findings about nba officials fixing games and most the most popular example is in 2007 when it was revealed that tim donahue was fixing games that his very own games that he was betting on and the way it 
came to fruition was that the FBI was actually um, the FBI was investigating a mobster and they found these refs on the payroll that they were fixing games and creating an outcome, uh, creating certain outcomes. So right. the uh, NBA had to admit fault. The NBA then ever since that situation, Tim Donahue was incarcerated and now is, has been released from jail and now he's ready to tell his story with other, also some other findings. The funny thing, Ryan, this might be funny. He's actually finally joined the referee world again. For guess what? Wrestling. What? He's a honest oh, from a wrestling. And what's funny about that, okay, the little par- parallel of that, is with the NBA, some of this podcast has been finding they've been trying to fix games as early as the Jordan years. And basically what happened was, one of the reasons why this happened was, the NBA in the 70s were on a deep decline. Ironically, when the Knicks were good, the NBA wasn't good. So great job for mm-hmm. them. But when like the Bucks <laughs> and the Blazers were winning, um, the, the 70 Warriors, there was a huge problem between NBA personnel, a huge Coke problem, and they actually almost went completely bankrupt, which is true. So huh. what helped that, what helped gain the NBA popularity was – the Lakers and Celtics rivalry, Magic versus Bird, essentially saved the NBA. So right. that gives okay. We're now interesting to the country again. We're being compelling. We have Magic and Bird as as these two guys. We need to figure out scenarios to help get more interesting players like that. So hence, you know, eighty four, uh, Michael Jordan was. Drafted after that, the bad boy Pistons in the late 80s became big. Then the 90s Bulls, then mm-hmm. the late resurgence of the Lakers, late of Lakers, right. of Kobe Shaq Lakers. And then it pretty much, kind of our childhood. yeah. And then pretty much the last head of it was the Miami Heat Dallas Mavericks, um, 2006 right. finals. And then we see examples of the, of, uh, the Mavericks win game one and game two, but they wanted to figure out how to get Wade and Shaq some notoriety. So the refs helped him out a lot. I think <laughs> Wayne Wayne alone shot 84 free throws in four games, which is absurd. <laughs> and then in 07, Tony, he gets caught, makes the NBA look awful. But then, yep. um, but now since he's been re- released to jail, he's ready to tell his story and they're finding more things and more examples of fixing, which is, you know, they haven't found any current examples yet. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. But this looks like the with this pop, podcast growing with nor. I mean, they were on the bill. The guy was named Tim, if you don't mind me. So, so I get his Go name, it. right? It is, it is, um, his name is Tim Livingston, the journalist who is in charge of this podcast. And yeah. He is the whistleblower. Like he, on he was big on the Bill Bill Burr and Burt Kreischer podcast. He was on Dan Patrick. He was on a lot of these big name sports. And they yeah. think that soon, as long as this keeps getting traction, that the NBA might have to apologize fault for this. So Ryan, I know it was quite the introduction, and we've talked about this this yeah. morning. And I just went on an insane. Um, Deep dive looking into this. I looked at Vice articles on it, Vox. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, Ryan, as also a basketball fan yourself, what do you think this could mean going down the line if the NBA has to admit fault that essentially the biggest boom was can essentially be 
as a result of a lie. How do you feel about this, Ryan? <laughs> so I did something a little different. When you when you brought you said this is something I want to talk about. I mean, first of all, kind of cool because this is not like a major story yet. Yeah, uh, this is still developing. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to talk about this again. Um, as the again, as the podcast does sure. grow, their podcast, um, and you know the NBA gets into it and stuff like that. But uh, I did it, I took a different route for my research for this part. I I wanted to look at uh, look at those years because I'm not a basketball historian. Like I watch basketball, I like the two K games, but I'm not a basketball historian. You know, like a lot of uh, fans are. So I looked at like Magic Bird and I looked at uh, the Bad Boy Pistons. Not specifically uh, those two just come to mind because you just mentioned them. But I looked at yeah. some of these like iconic eras in uh, NBA, and I think honestly good for them i know you probably weren't expecting me to say that um obviously this is none of this is really you know nothing's confirmed currently in uh modern day this is all past tense but the history of the nba has really not been tarnished by this and part of that is because you know whether the refs were in on it or not the abilities of like magic johnson and larry bird as an example those that doesn't change it's not like they sucked yeah. at basketball and they pretended to be good at basketball. Mm-hmm. They were both insanely good at basketball. And the refs were probably like, or the, the league and then through the refs, probably like, hey, these guys are good. We need them to like face off a lot. Yeah. And we need their mistakes every single time. So someone's got to have a, a spot on a playoff spot online. Someone's got to be coming off of an injury. Someone's got to be coming off of this. Someone, you know, they probably were like, we need to have as much stakes involved when these two uh, players take the floor at the same time. Yeah, Um, primetime TV. Right. And so, frankly, the other sports, I mean, listen, they shouldn't fix games. But other sports could take a little bit of a lesson from from that. Mm -hmm. It's building stars. I mean, that's that's the reason the NBA is – I mean, I don't know this. I don't have a statistic. But, I mean, anecdotally, NBA feels like the biggest major – sports league right now I think uh, I it's bigger than the nfl arguably you could say much that. bigger than the mlb uh, internationally i know you've got things like soccer and stuff i'm not getting into that and here in the united states you know the yeah. televised major league sports nba is the biggest um in terms of popularity yeah popularity yeah. yeah and it's because they have these characters these rivalries and these histories and storylines to play off of like so forever now Lakers and Celtics, Celtics, like those teams aren't really even in the same league with each other anymore in terms of, you know, playing. I don't think, and I like the Celtics, by the way, I'm not trying to be mean, but I mean, they're a good team, but they're not, they're not the Lakers. I don't think Uh, the Lakers, I think will always, you know, come out ahead if you do a series of five with the Celtics, but the history of the Lakers and the Celtics going all the way back like that, it's just so deep and it's so rich that every time these teams play, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, so you see that, like they've built these brands literally for life. Yeah. Um, you know, the names change, but you know, the players say the same. I, I mean, think about this. Could you imagine? I mean, Dallas versus Miami. I bet you that's still a pretty big game, at least to the market's, you know, concern. Dallas still wants to beat Miami, my you know fans, and Miami fans still want to beat Dallas. And you've that arguably, rivalry, yeah. You, well, I was gonna say you arguably have the biggest owner, the, the most popular owner well, name yeah. there. You yeah. have someone who's growing, that, and, and you know different generations, right? You're, 
you see now with some interesting players, and I'm sure the NBA wanted to see Dallas now with Luca go, Luca becoming a big star in his own right. If we're mm-hmm. talking about the current teams, and obviously Miami made the finals, yeah. so yeah, you, you and they've already played another time in 2011 against yep. each other. So, and, and and that's another thing, you know, think about uh, Luca being, you know, getting so big on the Mavs. Uh, I, again, does that happen if, you know, Nowitzki and that Mavericks team wasn't as competitive with, you know, the top, you know, the top guys at the time, which was, you know, the, the big three in Miami? No, but it was. It, they made it competitive, apparently, as we found out later. Um, right. And by making it competitive, <laughs> um, you know, now the Dallas can, now Dallas can produce, you know, major stars. I mean, think about the Thunder. James Harden was a sixth man on the Thunder. He wasn't yeah. even a starter. Nope. And he was one of the biggest basketball names like currently playing mm-hmm. because the Thunder was set to be, you know, Kevin Durant and the Thunder were set to be the, uh, the new version of LeBron. It didn't quite work out that way, as we found out. They were set to supplant him, um, and that was the story they told, and they told it really well. The Thunder did really well. Russell Westbrook became a massive star. Kevin Durant was pushed the entire time as a massive star, and so did James Harden. Um, like, again... I'm not a historian of basketball. I don't follow every single team or anything like that, but it just seems like they're basically, it seems like they're doing it the right way. It's television. And I don't, I don't, again, you, you can't fix a game. You can't say it's not, it's not pro wrestling. You can't predetermine. Okay. LeBron's going to win a championship this year. That's like, what's that's funny what about doing. Tim Donahue being a wrestling ref. Well, yeah, he can actually exactly. literally change it. He's now supposed he to change, change it that way. Yeah. But, uh, like, you can't go around and be like, all right, so this year LeBron's going to win it, and the next year we're going to go ahead, we're going to give it to, uh, I don't know, the Bucks. Like, you can't do that. I agree. And, and, again, you really shouldn't fix any of the games. But it sounds like what we're really talking about is – because it doesn't sound like any of the teams were involved. No, Does not it? really, no. It it was more, like it's more of the refs. It's more telling the refs, the refs like, and the hey, – call a lot on that team or don't call anything on these three players. You know what I mean? Yeah. And basketball is a sport. Essentially. I think when it comes to, if you really want to make it influence in sports, basketball is the easiest to hide. You could just, all you have to do is just call fouls on. If you want like Kobe, if you want to make it a competitive series, we'll say back then have Kobe have, make sure Kobe gets two fouls in the first quarter so that he's sitting most of the time. You have the teams to catch up right. and it gives him an opportunity to come back. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you but, look at those- using that example, that's a great story. So he's aggressive early, especially if it's a big matchup, you know what I mean? Like a big, mm-hmm. a big game. He's aggressive early. He have to sit him for a while. The team starts to falter without Kobe's leadership. Boom. Kobe's back in. Now they're not calling anything on him. He goes off. Um, you know, wins the game, and now you've built a legend. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that it's wrong, obviously. I'm not advocating for it, but I think they should keep aspects of it, and I think other sports should actually look at some of this. So Without look cheating, at these, obviously. Yeah, look at these matchups. Look at some of the matchups that are big. Like, you can't necessarily with players. Like, NBA, I think, has just gotten very lucky. It's also five-on-five. Which yeah. makes it much easier for individuals to stand out because there's less people competing for that same spotlight yeah. uh, on on a team or in a conference. But like, look at some of the. You know, I, I said this to you actually, ironically about it was about another cheating team. I said the best thing that could happen 
to Major League Baseball is for the Astros to just absolutely crush it right after being clutch eating. Honestly, because right. yeah, they're they're the full bad guy. Uh, they are the villains, and everyone is going to want to see them lose. And I said the best thing could be for them to go on a tear and then the Yankees to beat them. Yep. <laughs> the Yankees, who are typically hated by anyone who doesn't already like the Yankees, by the way, and you know that. You're a Yankees fan. Sure. Uh, most people hate the Yankees just from, like, years of the Yankees yeah. being just the best team ever. But you could literally make the Yankees the good guys <laughs> against yeah. the Astros. Right. And, like, that's, that's how powerful, like, the storytelling aspect of sports is. And that's the part that people remember. Nobody remembers, like, I remember when LeBron James got, you know, whatever, however many points. Like, no one remembers that. I mean, maybe some of the milestone ones, like when he did it for the first time yeah. or when he did it, you know, for his, you know, however many triple-doubles he got. Uh, but, like, no one really remembers the scores and things like that. They remember the storylines more than anything. They don't remember uh, how many points Magic and Bird scored in their third outing against each other. They remember the story of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, you know, being these, you know, larger-than-life rivals fighting one another to be the best in the NBA. Like, that's what people remember overall. And again, some people are really, you know, kooky like that, and they do remember the scores, and that's good for them. That's not how most people think. And so mm -hmm. don't tell stories to the minority of people who can remember every single rebound that, you know, Dabu Stefalosha got while they played for the Thunder. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, good for you for being that committed to the Thunder or to Stefalosha or to the art of rebounds or whatever it is in your head that made you commit that to memory. But for everybody else, no one cares. They care about the big moments. They care about the big story. And I think all of sports needs to be a little bit better about that. That's my thoughts anyway. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think you have a fair point. It does create that. I mean, it's just too bad that you had Obviously to no cheat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just too bad you had to put it in this set. You had to basically, yeah, you, it's too bad that you had to move, cheat cer to make it. certain moves and cheat to do it. But, yeah. you know, like I'm not exactly upset or mad about the situation. I'm just hella fascinated from it. Oh, I mean, it's And, but all these other little aspects, like for instance, a lot of NBA refs are still, even after retired, they're still on the payroll as another way, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. Wink, wink, I'll give you wink, that. Wink, wink, hush, <laughs> hush, so don't say this. Yeah. Um, I think that's insane. The uh, All the other little things. I mean, I think it will, we'll see if the NBA responds. They definitely, they declined the podcaster, but now with so many more people getting into it. See what happens. They might have, whether it's, you know, I think we've seen Adam Silver. He's he's not arguably. He definitely is the best commissioner out of all the leagues. Yeah. And I think if anyone would knew how to make a good a proper rebuttal, he would be the one. So, so uh, ah, but he would have been involved. Yeah, he That's would be technically. He, he's still he was still an exec on in the mm -hmm. NBA during that time as well. And that's what makes it different. He's been very good about handling things that are not his fault. Yeah. Like when things are coming up that are not from him, like he's the first one and he always does the right thing. And so that's why he's got this reputation. Cause like Goodell, he didn't invent concussions, but no. he decided to take completely try to pretend they weren't real. So like, <laughs> uh, and that was, he didn't have to do that, but he yeah. did it because I don't know why. Um, but, uh, like, so he's always been very good, but he's never been directly implicated before. And if he admitted to this, 
he would be directly implicated as a participating yeah. member. I mean, he could maybe try and say, I was always against it, but I was outvoted. Like, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know how it works. Like, I don't know the power structure and exactly where he fit during all of this time. But uh, he's had a long career in NBA. And so it's going to be very hard to wash his own fingers off of this if, if they admit it. And yeah. I think that's why they're going to hold out as longer than they've ever held out on addressing controversy and because a lot of people who are instrumental to what they, who they are now and, you know, being so good at PR, a lot of people made a bad decision yeah, <laughs> and they and, were very involved. And NBA has already had quite a hell of a year with everything going on. Obviously, yeah. even pre-COVID with sadly Kobe dying, the controversy yeah. with china and now this that you could basically say like what kind of integrity does your game have and i thought like i was wondering does the younger fan really care like does top my youngest brother's generation i don't actually think so they would care if if they found out that it was happening still they would care yeah and that's the thing that they i think now we're seeing more states legalizing game including your state of new jersey the forefront with yeah. that it's you really can't get fixed games or you're going to get destroyed publicly PR now because, well, we have the motive to do it since it's legal now, or I could be wrong. Do you think so? Or no, I mean, you're right, but I, I don't get, I don't get that because this will transition to the next topic real quickly. Cause it goes right into it. Mm -hmm. But, um, like you don't know that you don't know the score of the game. <laughs> Let's yeah. say a game is fixed and I put money down and the team loses. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll be mad but I didn't know. I didn't, I wouldn't know the game is fixed. It's theoretically entirely plausible that the outcome that happened could have happened in a completely fair game. Right. So I don't like that whole, like it's extra bad because of gambling. Like mm -hmm. you don't know. Um, it's the same thing. So it, here's the transition. Ready for it? Ready yeah. for it? So there's actually gambling sites for professional wrestling. And it's the same exact thing. Those That's all predetermined, but we don't know what the answer is. We don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, like, put your money down. Maybe you're right. Maybe you know what the writers are going to do. Maybe you don't. But, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, to be like, oh, well, I would have won if they didn't fix the game. No, you don't know that. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what would have happened. It could have been the exact same score, the exact same way, and the, all the referees did was c call a couple more fouls. Like, you have no yeah. idea. Uh, but speaking of professional wrestling and uh, mm -hmm. predetermined matches, <laughs> The Undertaker yeah. is finally – going to rest in peace mm -hmm. allegedly uh so for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about on sunday the wwe pay-per-view event survivor series and we talked about this really briefly on our last podcast uh mentioned it was happening uh it happened and it was the 30 year anniversary of the debut of the undertaker and i feel confident in just saying the undertaker because most people listening even if you're not a fan know who i'm talking about he's yeah. a professional wrestler has been doing it like i said um 30 years uh since he debuted and he has not been full-time in the last five years he's been kind of a special attraction in the last five years or so but um he is officially done he actually just released a big documentary kind of like uh the last dance but for professional wrestling fans because uh, he really is like you know in terms of people that you could do something on, he really is like the Michael Jordan of WWE. Right. Um, cause he, especially because he never left. He was always WWE. He had no other career. A lot of people have other careers, either before or after. Uh, he hasn't. He's stuck, and other promotions, uh, too. But he... Yes, yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. 
Um, but he, he was not one of those people. Um, and so no match, unfortunately, at Survivor Series. The goodbye was uh, really just a tribute video, a cool little, like, what are those things called? The little Tesla coil uh, thing they did uh, with the lightning. Uh, a yeah, Paul Bear hologram. That was great. Yeah, that was good. And then he just did a really quick, you know, promo. And then he was done. Um, his friends came out. It was air quotes there for those of you. Uh, uh, his friends came out and stood there quietly. And then they showed the video. And then they all disappeared because Vince McMahon came out. It was very strange. I don't know why they yeah. did any of that other than to take up 25 minutes of my life that I didn't need to see. I mean, the freaking the Godwins got an entrance. You know, how do I? I don't want to sound rude when I say this, but when it comes to surprise appearance where we see people we have definitely seen pretty often throughout the year besides oh, like the godwins <laughs> besides the godwins like jeff hardy yeah <laughs> Big he surprise. was in a match earlier that night <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean i'm if sure you they... watched the whole show you would have seen him at the beginning he was in the very first match on the kickoff <laughs> and then he put on some new face paint and came out for the ending <laughs> I'm sure they asked some. I mean, obviously with COVID too. I'm sure they asked the other, the ones we didn't see, the Rock Stone Cold Cena's. But you know, with well, in fairness, them. I don't know if they're all friends with Undertaker. Well, yeah, that's the part about the friends part. So I don't, I, right. I don't know. So, uh, like, I believe that Kane is more friendly with Undertaker than The Rock. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> I saw The Rock tweeted though a tribute. Busy. Yeah, saw, both are very busy. Yeah, he I is saw the, the mayor of. Knox County, Tennessee. He is a legit mayor, and it's legitimately, he, yeah. He was the only one to uh, not get the memo. No, yeah, no he wrestling tie. He came in full costume with a mask and everything. Um, also, I don't, I, mean, I don't know Kane's politics. I'm not from Tennessee, but uh, if he's not doing promotional materials on the the importance of wearing masks in full mask, then he's missing a golden opportunity. <laughs> they were me, I'd be in my mask. I mean, you, I, he obviously doesn't have the mouth covered. He needs to cover the mouth uh, when he does these things. But he definitely got to wear the full mask and be like, if I can wear a mask, you can wear a mask. There was, uh, a, meme, there was a meme trending, like, non-wrestling me. I'm uh, sorry, non, besides just the wrestling community, like, legitimately trending was, how could you guys complain about mask? Kane did a whole, went through the Royal Rumble for 60 minutes with the mask. Yeah, and he got that. hit with chairs and whatever. <laughs> yeah, I saw that why one. Can't you? Uh, but, yeah, so... The friends came out, uh, and like I said, Triple it was really H like friends, one. Jeff Hardy and Triple H because they work there, um, <laughs> and then Kevin Nash for some reason. But um, and I shouldn't say it for some reason. Who knows? Maybe they're best friends. I didn't think so, and I, he didn't talk about Kevin Nash at all in the Last Ride uh, documentary. <laughs> but uh, who knows? But yeah. yeah, like I said, it was. It's never going to be a fitting goodbye to the Undertaker, in my opinion. Uh, legitimately scared me. When I was a kid watching WWE, uh, Friday Night SmackDown, that was his home when we were kids watching. And mm -hmm. the big thing was uh, whenever the bad guy talked back to Teddy Long, who was the general manager, he'd make them go one-on-one -on -one with The Undertaker. <laughs> and everybody was here. Uh, and that was like literally, it was, those were the two things he did. It was basically a formula. Friday Night SmackDown had an Undertaker match and everybody else being a tag team match player. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's my Teddy Long. Um, <laughs> So, yep, you know, it's never going to be easy to say goodbye, obviously, to someone who you grew up watching, but he definitely slowed down a little bit. I mean, better than I could ever do. generations, too. Yeah, but better than I can ever do, but he's definitely slowed down a little bit. He's definitely earned, you know, a retirement. 
Uh, a little a little bummed we can't get one more, you know, cinematic, you know, boneyard style, maybe a Firefly Funhouse match. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If he's really gone, and I think he might really be gone, uh, based off of how they did everything. Uh, if he's really gone, I think it's obviously well deserved. Uh, you know, he's a classic performer when it comes to WrestleMania. Uh, retired Shawn Michaels. Don't let me forget to tell uh, yes the pit people that. And, uh, they, they, be, and I have to say, Ryan will be on the pit tonight, Thursday. Yep. Sorry, I should say oh, tomorrow, yes. Thursday, November twenty-six on all podcasting platforms and YouTube for the Pit Podcast. I'm really thrilled for that. Really. That's- really- for that. That's right. Uh, they they finally got me. But um, yeah. So obviously, thank you, Undertaker. Uh, big part of my childhood TV watching. Yep. Uh, and even my current TV watching. Mm-hmm. And you know, there will never be another Undertaker. We can only hope to have someone half as talented wrestle for half as long as the Undertaker did. Yeah, they really made him seem like supernatural. Like sometimes even I'm like, cool. how did you promote? How did you? Uh... <laughs> produce that and like i said even for non-wrestling fans they know the undertaker and respect for him mm-hmm. even a lot of people who were maybe wrestling fans as a kid and maybe they drifted off they still had a special place for the undertaker and then obviously current casual and diehard fans the undertaker was everything he got legit he made it this story was so big he made it to sports center and yep. TMZ and other legit news outlets so i think it was the best case oh, scenario hold on hold on hold on, hold on. TMZ is not a legit news outlet. <laughs> Let's just be clear. But well, of course, it but, did make the TMZ. <laughs> but at least it has a huge following. And uh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I think it was a great way to uh, set it off one final time in a legitimate ring. I think both the Boneyard match from WrestleMania this past April and then this goodbye in the ring was uh, a job well done. And he, and like you said on the last doc, the last ride doc triple H said he at least deserves the way he wants to go out. And yes. for as demanding wrestling is to a wrestler and a body, I think that was fair. And uh, it's uh, nice to see us get more open to Mark Calloway too. I think a lot of people. Are hot ones there. Yeah, that was pretty big. That's pretty um, good. Yeah. So I'm glad to see. And I guess uh, we will, we'll see what, what Mark Calloway does for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, like you said, long life ahead. Corporate Undertaker? No, God, no. (laughs) God, no. It worked okay for Kane, I guess. Maybe. If I had, you know, if you're forcing me to say it, it worked okay for Kane, but not, (laughs) you know, Kane's the mayor, okay? If Undertaker gets elected mayor, then we can talk about putting him in a suit and putting him on TV. But until that happens... We're going to keep it right way, you know, keep the memory the way it was. Um, All I want, you know what I want? If I just had $1,000 to burn, I would love to get an Undertaker cameo. This is how this says. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's they're so expensive, though. Uh, For Undertaker, at least. Some you could get, like, for 20 bucks for an F-list celebrity. Yeah, Undertaker, I mean. But his is, Um, in particular, is expensive. Yes. A lot of people are on Cameo now. A couple of wrestlers are, but they had to quit it because of their contracts. That was, that's a whole thing. We can talk about that some other time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cameo is fascinating. But speaking, speaking of the cross-section between politics and pro-wrestling promos, uh, poor Governor Gavin Newsom, or not mm-hmm. so poor Governor Gavin Newsom, depending on your uh, <laughs> alignment, he, uh, he made a bit of a mistake 
where he, you know, put put lockdowns into place in California, probably for the best. I don't know the current situation in California. Yeah. Uh, but then he proceeded to pull a Christie and ignore them. <laughs> Say that Christie, you know, closed the beaches and then said, I know what would be fun today. <laughs> Go, Go to the, the beach. beach. <laughs> um, so, you know, he said no parties, and then he went to party. Um, but uh, California... <laughs> Fourth congressional district representative, uh, Representative Tom McClintock, stood up in the House of Representatives and um, commended Governor Gavin Newsom for quote. Uh, let me pull up the quote. I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> uh, it's the most passive-aggressive thing I've probably ever heard. Um, I rise this morning in defense of Governor Gavin Newsom, who recently defied his own idiotic COVID hmm. edicts as he partied at one of the few restaurants that he's not yet forced out of business. <laughs> so obviously, this guy is not a fan of the COVID restrictions. Um, everyone who's seared uh, or heard, uh, heard all six of our podcasts knows pretty much where we stand, uh, and I won't get into that. But I think it's just so. So I'm watching two simultaneously watching two documentaries right now. Um, I'm watching an older one on the Kennedys that Martin CNN Sheen one? produced. No, it was for uh, HBO. Oh, okay. Uh, Martin Sheen's the producer. So I'm watching that, and I'm also watching the new the Showtime. The was three days ago, so yeah. tough day. And I'm watching the new Showtime, that's what made me start watching it, uh, docu-series on Reagan. Oh, I was planning to watch that. Is it good? Pretty good. I mean, yeah, and they definitely take Reagan to task for some of his less than desirable uh, stuff. But um, Okay, it's good to hear that. A legit yeah. documentary in that sense. Yeah. That's the only um, criticism for Michael Jordan's The Last Dance was there was not – no one said one bad thing about him. Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, Last Ride didn't have anything bad either. But and, and, frank, and frankly, this Kennedy thing doesn't have very much bad. It has some bad stuff, but not really. But the Reagan one is definitely critical of Reagan. But yeah. it does show a portrait of politics from you know the, the 60s and the 80s. So you look at our current like political scape, and basically, and I'm not afraid to say this, a congressman decided to stand up in the House of Representatives and throw shade, throw side-eye on the governor of his home state. That's, that's what that was. There was nothing to vote on. There was no decisions being made. And he, again, he didn't even say, like, it'd be one thing if he was like, California is being too restrictive. I don't know if I agree with that, but at least that's a, a conversation maybe. But no, he formed it as a congratulations. So he formed it as a defense of someone he's clearly not in line with. And he was passive aggressive the whole time. <laughs> that would never happen in like the older yep. <laughs> the older way that we used to do politics. And I'm not saying the old way is good. The old way is just, you know, was just a bunch of old rich guys sitting around a room Which telling everybody had to happen yeah exactly but so i like that that's changed we need to change that part and to be clear this is tom mcclintock by the way an old rich white guy so i'm not saying that the new members have changed the way uh we we conduct business that's not at all what i'm saying uh, don't want that to be misunderstood um but for whatever reason 
in addition to changing for the better the you know the way the house looks to represent the country we've also changed for the worse the way they act and i'm right. just like At this I point. Can't, i'm like i don't know like why do we have to trade off why can't we just have a more representative house that also acts you know you know like people who are supposed to be in charge um but like i said i thought that was i mean it was you said savage was your word i don't know about savage but the passive aggressive game was strong uh was very strong on that one may i ask you though do you think this could be a trend in politics where it's just at this point it's almost like when we we've seen cable news involved to be so opinionated where you have people like don lemon and chris christie just doc they just don't care anymore they just say trump sucks without in the most formal vocabulary possible do you think this could be a trend we're we're seeing in congress will will c-span be more interesting to the regular person now if we just hear of um representatives coming at each other you know what i think it is actually and i get I get that a lot of these people are, you know, older, older folk, but I think people are taking Twitter conversation. Seriously, <laughs> oh, Let me finish. They're taking Twitter conversation and they're thinking that that's how we talk, <laughs> meaning everyone, meaning the, the majority of And that's not true. So like, so a good example, um, AOC, and again, not going to get into anyone's politics, mm-hmm. but AOC, everyone can admit that she's certainly got a bright star uh in terms hey, of Ryan's how much join the show. Like yeah some kiss hey bud yeah are you were saying yeah um so no she she's definitely a big a big you know deal in certain circles for sure and she uses social media to reach people very very effectively but she just gave a, a talk on the House floor condemning the Senate for not taking action on coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And I'm, again, I'm not really talking about the content of the talk, but the way she talked was the way a congressperson condemning the Senate majority leader would speak. It was, you know, you know, we have people looking to us to help them, you know, we need to help them. And then she spoke directly to the people who are suffering this holiday. For those of you hungry on Thanksgiving, you know, we see you. And, you know, for those of my, co- you know, my colleagues, we can do better, all that kind of stuff. Yep. It was very much a normal but powerful way for a person in elected office to speak about something that they perceived as an injustice. Yeah. You could have the now, you could have someone Twitter, that every man understand. Right. Now, on Twitter, she absolutely drags people. Yeah. Her and Ted Cruz got into it on Twitter over <laughs> his nonsense. I but, saw that. For whatever reason, and I'm not going to say it's just Republicans because it's not, but it's mostly. Um, and I'm not even saying that to be rude. It's honestly, it's mostly the older generation. It's really not actually a, a split between politics. Uh, it just so happens that most of the older members or most of the newer members are Democrats and most of the older members are Republicans. So it kind of leans that way, I think. But I really do think it's age. I don't think it's actually politics. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't understand that we don't. I, we don't want to hear someone drag somebody on the Senate floor. Twitter, fine, go for it. If he'd sent that out as a tweet, it would have gone viral, and I would have laughed. I would have been <laughs> like, "This guy's an idiot for thinking that you could just ignore a deadly pandemic." But I would have laughed because on Twitter, that's hysterical. Mm-hmm. On the House floor, it's far less funny. And like you showed me some of these videos, like the older videos. Um, that Howard Stern did of those people who went to like city hall meetings and advocated for absolute bullshit. 
Sorry, I don't want to say that, but um, no, it's a fair, it's fair, it's a fair. Uh, and like, thing I don't like that either. You were always like, "Why don't you like that?" I'm like, because it's just not the place. Listen, you want to post about it, like, fine, go for it, but don't don't do it in that setting. That setting is supposed to mean something, and we're not letting it mean something. But again, this is not on the people. No one told him he had to, you know, you know, throw side eye like a, you know. Like a teenage, you know, influencer. Uh, the, the Tom McClintock, Representative Tom McClintock, decided to do that. I would assume on on his own, but I just think that there's no reason like you can't do both. You can have a social presence that is witty and that is in line with the way people use social media. And the way people use social media is to absolutely drag other people. That's just a fact. Uh, that's what Twitter's about. In case you didn't know, welcome Remember- to the tweet cap. Just everyone that quote that relates. Remember subtweeting? They don't even care anymore. They'll just tag you. Oh yeah, <laughs> they no, no problem. Just at yeah. yeah, at whoever you're mad at. I've got it. <laughs> no more subtweeting. That that's that's from our you know when we were kids, kids. Now that's yeah, gone. Yeah. Um, but saying. yeah, no. But like, hopefully we get that mix, um, with some younger you know generations coming into both parties, uh, where yeah. you know they can be engaging and witty. And maybe just a little callous on social media, with while still taking their job seriously and not diminishing their job. Yeah, you don't have to dumb down to make your point across. You could say these very important points with one or two sentences. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, people are using that rhetoric for tweet Twitter, but now they're just they're just um, you know. They're just letting it out. And, you know, who knows what this could be? Maybe this could just be another example of, uh, you know, just COVID bringing us all ment- mentally in a weird place, too, that he just has had enough. Maybe in a non-COVID world, he wouldn't have exactly said that. I mean, obviously, because this is a COVID-related story. But also, he could just be a guy who's just fed up with everything, um, trying, to, hey. trying to make a um, – trying to figure out what is he going to do regarding um, – hey. The, the uh, handling of the pandemic as well. It's it's just a very interesting place, and that's why I brought it up to you, and you brought it here. That if that is the rhetoric for a politician going to be changing an example like this, if people are, are willing to put their opinions out there on the Congress floor, and that's probably what the most I get out of the senator's comments from here. And as you said, it is easily possible you could do it have your Twitter opinions and your regular ones, as long as you just don't say anything to get yourself canceled and it's clearly possible. And I'm just wondering if we're going to see more examples of what the Senator did. Who knows? I guess only time will tell. I think so probably, but how about who who knows? I'm just waiting for, if you've seen, um, uh, if you've seen injustice for all with Al Pacino and he just says, no, you're out of order. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting for for someone to say that. <laughs> well, they haven't they yeah, they haven't thrown all the rules out yet, so I think we'll, yeah. we'll still be from that happening. But uh, like, definitely, uh, we're gonna have some some man or woman uh, who's our age now and becomes gets a great position of power elected in uh, the fifties. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm saying it's just funny. They'll probably say, and it's true. We are built differently as an America. <laughs> or <laughs> someone's tweeting little Uzi lyrics yeah. as part of their quotes. 
Like this is this is <laughs> this is like you said. I mean, my it's fun to predict this stuff, but only time's gonna tell if someone's actually just gonna exactly. say these simple words that everybody can understand. Well, uh, yeah, but again, to be clear, I'm not I'm not hailing this man as a hero. I think he's an idiot. Of course, and the way yeah. he's idiotic on the house floor. To be clear, yes, it was simple. We all get what he was saying, but the fact that he was basically throwing shade in a house floor speech. Yeah. Uh, that was completely beneath the office that he's supposed to uh, represent, and I'm not even from California. Yeah, like but, this is this is something we'll see like a Borat do just to just right, to yeah. And now it's the now you now but you he's have, really like, <laughs> right. So he's he's really he's really in. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's probably that's probably like I said, I don't even think that's trending anymore. That was earlier in the week, right? Yeah, that happened on a, oh. earlier in the week. So you probably missed out on that, folks. But we did want to talk about it here because it was interesting. Um, you had something uh, – you had a big movie you wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so it was announced – I actually didn't even know this was was in the docket. And I, Paramount is releasing in 2021 a Clifford live-action adaption. And on this very day, they released a teaser for it. And we saw for the first time – you know, this is a great example – no one, no one ever. Hey, guys, you want to know what, what Clifford would look like in real life? Here it is. <laughs> we don't exactly see how he's interacting. We just saw a big dog compared to regular sized dogs. That's it. But uh, we're going to see this image for a few days now. And let me ask, Ryan, no one asked for live action Clifford. Are you planning to see it if it's there? I mean, I no. don't know. Are they going to? At the moment, it is planned for theaters. But, you know, we'll see if they'll. No, I'm not going to see it. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, just not that into Clifford at this point. Uh, Were you as a I liked kid? As a kid, I liked it fine. But, yeah, I like um, the books. Two, and this is important, the dog is terrifying. Um, yeah. Utterly terrifying. He's a blood red puppy. But he's not, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Bad decision. But there's also no other way they can do it. So, unfortunately, they're just going to have to roll with it. This is not going to be like a Sonic the Hedgehog where they gave us a nightmare of a hedgehog and people said you just change it or we won't see the movie and they changed it it was wrapping my head like how could they make it better they can't you can't do live action clifford it's gonna look too weird to have a normal looking dog but it's a giant and also it's blood red and that's important that red color see this clifford i'm just curious what she thought i didn't show her no uh let me know what she thinks of real life clifford (laughs) yeah i'll show her later see what she says but uh no utterly terrifying to me that I, I couldn't watch a whole movie. Not utterly terrifying. I'm not going to lose sleep over it or anything. It's not scary, scary. But, like, it's just weird. It's like that uncanny valley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, like, it looks normal, but it's just a little bit off. Because, it's you know, a weird color. And the color is worse than the size, by the way. But, like, it looks like a normal dog, but the color just doesn't quite make sense. And so your brain is trying to put the two of them together. Because, yeah. like, Clifford in the cartoons is, like, red. Like, deep red. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, all right, red dog. This is like not this. This looks like a puppy covered in blood. It does. <laughs> Literally. And I'm like, it, your brain just can't process it the right way, uh, or at least mine can't. So I don't like the design. I don't think they should make the movie, but I know that that's not going to happen. <laughs> so good luck to Clifford and Cad, the cast of Clifford. Uh, hopefully they make a lot of money. Uh, none of it will be mine. Yeah, and it's just like this. This now we're just. Now we could just clearly the argument. Are we getting out of hand for the studios to make live action adaptions? I would be. I actually saw Sonic. It was not 
it wasn't pretty decent movie and not even bad i mean it was pretty decent and they made it seem like what would sonic be like um detective pikachu we saw what that was, was like if, if that was good um somewhere to miss i know tom and jerry's coming out and they released a trailer but it really looks like i'm nervous about that too um it, it, it jerry it, in particular it looks strange there's a reason why when animation started becoming popular in the 20s and 30s that led to looney tunes and mickey mouse there's a reason why these things have to be in an animated world it's yes. not impossible with that and well, right like what tom is going to try and kill jerry yeah. Live action? Live action. Live you're action legit, murder? You're going to see legit explosions and uh, um, the dan- some things with dangers are taking place. It, it's, yeah, like we are getting, it's kind of weird. We are getting kind of out of hand with these live adaption remakes. I mean, some I are better than others. Yeah. But now that we're getting Clifford, what are they going to live adapt, do a live adaption of The Simpsons? They can literally, you can't make a prequel look like that. I mean, that, right, yeah, that I, I, and hopefully they, they it's just a trend hopefully they kind of grow out of it yeah i think that's that was clearly the 2010s decade for hollywood was a lot of i've adapted remakes live action, yep. while the indies while the indies are more on the uh, streaming services now yeah and, and more and original I think ideas that, and you'll see that the, i mean they're doing really well so hopefully that means the big studios will I mean, either they'll keep going like as is the ecosystem. The big studios will do superheroes, uh, Fast and Furious sequel, and uh, live action remakes, and then the indie studios will just kind of become the the hub for creative and original storytelling. My think is that my thought is that because it's doing so well, they're going to go ahead and uh, start making more original stuff at larger studios because yeah. it's gaining a lot of traction on streaming. And that's really where a lot of the money is sure. going to be made long term for these um, companies and for these films. So It's going to be interesting now. I, did we talk know? about this last week? I don't think so, but with Wonder Woman being going to HBO Max on Christmas. Yeah, we did. So, you know, just rehashing that, we'll see if this inspires Warner Brothers to uh, what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, definitely listen to last week's episode if you want an in-depth conversation on that because uh, it was actually pretty in-depth. It was mo- it was most of the podcast, I think, yeah. um, or a, a good po- a good portion of it. But yeah, I don't think it's going to change anything in the long term. It's just really it's a short-term kind of solution to a you know global health crisis. But I will just say just one last point regarding the only thing that is okay that I'm looking forward to to see a cartoon alive adaption is Space Jam Two. With LeBron, the Looney Tunes coming no. back, or still even they're not, big, they're not big enough. I mean, I mean the Looney Tunes. They're not mm-hmm. big enough. No one cares about the Looney Tunes anymore. You'd have to change the cartoon characters too. And at that point, it's not Space Jam. Do you think, for nostalgic sake, they'll just? I mean, they're still releasing the movie in June for now on the, in the theaters. But do you think it will do well with Clay Thompson uh-huh. and? Amy? Uh, I don't know who the villains are, but um, I know Wait. they're in it. So it's LeBron, but the Clay Thompson's in it. Yeah, if you don't mind me pulling up the uh, Space Jam you- 2. Uh, Space Jam 2. Well, it's not Space Jam 2. It's actually called Space Jam, A New Legacy. And right. it's going to star LeBron is the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have the Looney Tunes coming back. Bugs Bunny, Daffy, Tweety, right. uh, Lola Bunny, Porky Pig, Yosemite Sam. And the NBA play – so 
the co-star with LeBron is Don Cheadle. He's going to okay. be – his name, his character is AIG. So, Sonequa okay. Martin-Green is okay. play LeBron's wife, Savannah right. And then Bronny Jr. is played by some other guy named Sierra J. Wright. But the premise of, of Looney Tunes 2 is this, coming out July 26th – sorry, July 16th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Wow, one hundred and eighty-three million dollar budget. With the help of Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes characters, NBA superstar LeBron James must rescue his missing son, Bronny, by navigating through movies in the Warner Brothers catalog as a challenge against the villainous AIG's plot to win a basketball game against his team of foes, which will be seen by the entire world. And the NBA players confirmed to be in this: Clay Thompson, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, Damian Lillard. Chris Paul, Kyle Kuzma, and some WNBA players, which include Diana Terusi, Yaninka O-G-W-U-M-I-K-E, sorry, and then also Chini O-G-W-U-M-I-K-E, are all set to make cameos to see if they could defeat Don Cheadle while going (laughs) through the Warner Brothers archive. No one could defeat Don Cheadle, but um, I don't know. I'm and, not and, and it's a combination of live action and traditional 2D animation with some G- CGI effects. I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, it doesn't feel like it's got the same. It doesn't have the same. Th- I mean, think about that story. LeBron, LeBron, Michael Jordan is down on his luck. <laughs> uh, as, or as down on his luck as Michael Jordan can be. Uh, and then he gets like pulled into this magical world to help the Looney Tunes win a basketball game against the Monstars. Yeah. It doesn't have that same simplicity. This is getting a little bit fuzzy. And I think when you make it fuzzy, you, you, run, you run the risk. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I think um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the, uh, the storyline. I think that it's going to be too much. They're going to try and do too much. And also, LeBron is currently the best player in the NBA. I mean, that, I mean, one of the biggest parts of that movie, and I'm, uh, the first one, and I'm not even kidding, was in the Chicago Bulls. Welcome back, Michael Jordan. I can't do that. LeBron's been playing since he was, what, 20? 17 <laughs> he was in the league. He left straight from high school. Yeah. So, I don't know. It doesn't feel like they can make that movie successfully with LeBron James. I get why they want to. Because he is, you know, he's Take the great. nostalgia. He's the great. Yeah, he's he's Jordan. Uh, so it makes let's sense. Let's be real too. Wanna, Space but... Jam is not a good movie. No, it's well, but it, uh, no, I won't. I'll fight you a little bit on that. It's a fine movie. <laughs> you think it's? I a mean, fine it's not movie? like it's not getting an Oscar, but it's no, fine. of course not. But I, I, I still like the movie, but um, I mean, it's just pretty tacky and just. Well, know, it's a cartoon. They, it's a kids yeah. show. You just They just need the Bill Murray to come in to help LeBron out. We'll see what other surprise cameos with his. I won't be Bill Murray. It'll be someone else. Whoever the – who is this generation's Bill Murray? I, I don't I can't know. even tell you. Will Ferrell, maybe? <laughs> it's going to be Kevin Hart. Coming? Kevin Hart? <laughs> That's a good one. Stand-up special. Just probably do it. Or it'll be Drake. It'll be Drake. Drake. <laughs> what a time. Do it. What a time! But like um, I said, they they have a lot of money. Make up one hundred eighty three million dollars. That's yeah. That's Avengers budget. Well, 
I think Avengers it hit the three hundred million, but still, that's a yeah. very expensive movie. But there's a lot of animating and stuff to do, and a lot of mixing, so it makes sense. Um, but talking a little bit, you know, previously we talked about uh, short-term solutions uh, when we talked about the movies, and we also talked about nostalgia, Jeopardy. Uh, we've covered Jeopardy on Tweetcap before, right? Unfortunately, when uh, the host passed, Alex Trebek. Um, but they are moving forward. Um, they said that Alex had already spoken to the team, saying that he wanted Jeopardy to live beyond him, himself. And the interim uh, host is going to be former Jeopardy champion Ken Jennings. Uh, it's yep. specifically m- marked that it's an interim. It is not an official offer for the host job. And it even says at the bottom, guest hosts to be announced at a later date. Uh, so obviously they're going to go with the uh, daytime talk show route and audition some people. Um, but I, I think it's interesting. I personally don't think Ken Jennings is going to be the host of Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of his past tweets. Uh, all of them are still up. So I would, I would direct you to just go to him on Twitter. Um, you'll certainly see that he has some interesting takes and he refuses to take them down, even as his fans beg him to take it down. So that way he could be considered for uh, host of Jeopardy. But what do you think about Ken Jennings as, at least for now, just the interim host of Jeopardy? I like it. I think it's it's cool. He's obviously very intelligent. And, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd have to – obviously, Alex Trebek's one of his best attributes is his charm and charisma. And I don't know if uh, Ken Jennings can express that exactly in this game show format. But um, – I think in the sense of just having another brilliant person in, that's fine. I I mean, he has the biggest shoes to fill for any game show since Bob Barker was replaced by Drew Carey. So uh, I think might as well just to have someone to replace, to have that checkoff mark until you find a more permanent host that will get people just excited for as Alex Trebek did. But I, I think it's a fine decision and we, you know, we'll see how long this takes. And uh, as long as they, you know, give the guy a shot and we'll see uh, if we want him to stay or not. But what are the tweets exactly you were referring to? Cause he, um, oh, um, all right, let me see if I can find one that I am willing to read in my own voice. Um, he had one where he talked about Monica Lewinsky, which was a bit uh, difficult. Let's see. Here we go. This one is this one is the worst one. And this so to be clear, he posted this in 2014. 2014. And I he has now I'm I'm, re, I'm literally looking at the tweet by the way. He has 2000 comments. The vast majority either telling him please delete this, we like you Ken or <laughs> Ken this is a bad thing to say on the internet. 2014, it is still up. He's currently being considered. He, I mean, he is the interim judge, our host, but he's being considered for the actual position. And he tweeted, nothing sadder than a hot person in a wheelchair. Ooh. Yeah. That's not so right. Um, again, the other one was like uh, Monica. Uh, he came up with a new name for the Monica Lewinsky scandal. 
that was uh, i don't think it was quite as problematic as that one but it was still problematic nonetheless you know it's not really about degrees uh, i think what it comes down to is ken jennings is a smart dude uh obviously he won jeopardy quite a bit but he's just a smart dude uh, alex Trebek, i know he wasn't super famous you know he wasn't a massive movie star but he was a celebrity he was a radio personality he was in the public eye he you can build a show around that I mean, as much as we hate that celebrities are disingenuous people a lot of the time, and they are, there's a little bit of that is needed because, I mean, to go back to another thing we talked about last week with the D'Amelios, um, when we meet people as they really are, sometimes we don't like it. Um, and by the way, for that D'Amelios thing, uh, I would like to amend my comments, but we won't do it here because we're running really long. Um, so we'll talk about that another time. But I do want to amend my last comments on that. Uh, that being said, when regular people get thrown into the spotlight without any training and without any pr prior experience being looked at under a microscope, it's always bad. Just, it's yeah. always bad. Uh, or almost always. And I won't say always because nothing's you know, exactly the same every time. Uh, I think they should pick LeVar Burton to host. I've already said that to you. Um, I think the Joe Rogan thing is hysterical. <laughs> I, hope that they, I hope they do consider him just so we can get the uh, the memes on uh, social media of Joe Rogan as the host of Jeopardy. That would he be was the host of Fear Factor. That's very different shows, Matt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm saying game show host experience. <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I would say that being the host of Fear Factor makes you less qualified. <laughs> than the host. Uh, but um, no, I think LeVar Burton, uh, who, you know, Star Trek, host of Reading Rainbow, yep. uh, when we were kids, he, he's seen, you know, his, his public persona is that of, I mean, and probably his real persona is that of a very intelligent person, um, I think he's expressed interest. Uh, the internet has certainly, certainly expressed interest in him. Um, and again, he's just got that polish. Um, he's got a little bit more of what you need to build an entire TV show. Um, because, you know, you talk about how, well, Alex wasn't the story the contestants were, and I agree. But if the host is constantly making news for, you know, putting all of his feet in his or her mouth, then the show is going to be completely different. No one's going to focus on the contestants if they're focusing on what crazy thing did Ken Jennings tweet uh, four years ago about, yeah. you know, Yemen. Like, you just can't, you know what I mean? You can't have the same vibe that way. You need someone with a little bit more polish, and I don't think Ken Jen Jennings has that. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he apologizes. He has not yet apologized for any of the things he said. Uh, maybe because he hasn't been offered the job, it's kind of still in the background. I don't know. But, but uh, or not even apologize. It's just been like, yeah, that was stupid. Yeah. Not even a full apology. Just admitting, like, yeah, that was stupid. Or, yeah, I probably should have deleted that. You know what I mean? Something. Right. Anything to acknowledge he realizes that there's content that people don't like on his Twitter. And if he's going to be considered for a job, he should probably admit to that or get rid of it. But he's not done either. So. No, he's not. And, uh, well, we will see if Mr. Jennings will redeem himself from this. And he does have a lot of people to apologize, especially the disabled community like that. So, Yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. I read it for shock factor. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's everything I have. Works. I have everything I have, too. I just uh, hope you and your family have a fun and safe Real emphasis yep. on the safe Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
that yep use well everyone thank you everyone listening please have a safe thanksgiving uh if you're if you're traveling, uh, obviously try and stay socially distant. Try and avoid crowded places. Keep the gatherings small if you can. I know you don't want to be preached to by a, a podcaster from New Jersey, but uh, unfortunately, we just have a lot of a lot of stuff to deal with this holiday season. Things that we've never had to deal with before. Um, I know for some of you, you were promised that this would all be over by this time. Uh, for others. You never believed that promise, so maybe it's a little bit easier for you. But for all of us, we have to come together at the very least to do our part uh, to keep everyone else safe. Um, sure. So saying that, thank you all for listening. Have a happy and safe holiday, and I will talk to you later, bud. So long, Ryan. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Matt. Bye-bye.